Welcome back to the Better Men, Better Ballplayer Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb. I want to thank you for joining us here on our 91st episode of the podcast. We'll get a chance to talk to Ryan Keenan. Coach Keenan is in his 17th year as a teacher and coach. First starter at Ulyss Junior High, as well as a coach there, as well as he was also the assistant varsity coach. Being part of Ulyss Trinity, he was part of the 2005 state championship where he got the coach under legendary coach Steve Lineweaver. From there, he went to and uh, became an assistant at Irving High School, where he got the coach Trevor Story, for those people who know, Colorado Rockies, and took his first head coaching job at Texas 3A school called Carlton Ranchview. So at Ranchview, they broke the single-season record for stolen bases. And his time there, then he spent his next nine years at 6A Irvin MacArthur in Texas. It's where they took over a program that averaged three wins a year for the previous 10 years. And then during his next nine, they averaged 14. It was the first baseball team in school history to make back-to-back playoff appearances. And made it in four straight years. They're the first team to win 20-plus games in school history. Right now he's the current head coach at Davenport High School. It's a brand-new school, 600 kids. Mostly all juniors and sophomores with some freshmen. They do have some seniors. But every sport is competing at the varsity level besides football. He has coached 68 collegiate players as well as seven major league draft picks in his 17-year career. Coach Keenan is a learner. You hear nothing, ton of stuff about how he takes from ABCA and how he takes from other coaches and how he's learning constantly and what they're doing in their program and continues to grind with a small staff that he has in Davenport and um, how he's making the most out of it, how he's continuing to build up his players not only on the field but off the field. You hear his standard for grades. You hear how he does, incorporates his parents and what he's doing to create his culture and what he continues what he's continued doing to build the culture at Davenport. Before we get into that, I just really got to thank Will Miner, all those guys at Netting Pros, being part of the Netting Pro family chat. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in design, fabrication, installation of custom netting for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, BB screens, and ball carts. They also design and install digital wall graphic wall padding, Windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting professionals continue to provide quality products and services to many recreation, high school, and college fields, facilities, and stadiums throughout the country. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Big shout-out to our sponsors. Thank you, Will Miner and Netting Pros. Thank you guys for continuing to support us, continue to reach out, uh, continue to just be, just love the conversations and finding great people that are all about the development. And you hear nothing from that. For, j- j- example, a great example of that is just here with Ryan, Coach Can- Cannon. Cannon, sorry. Uh, and he's just, it was just a fun hour conversation. We had a ton of fun, um, you know, going to the ABCA, talking about that. And, uh, you know, Without further ado, I want to get you guys into it. ton of notes. I have a ton of notes. Again, check this out on Podbean if you haven't known 
Uh, I have I have notes on Podbeam. As well as continue to follow us on Twitter, Facebook. That's our two big social media platforms. So without further ado, here he is, Coach Ryan Canan from Davenport High School in Texas. Well, I think like all of us, you know, you gotta start with the relationships, right? So obviously being around the game a while, I came in with a plan. Um, you know, obviously a three, five year, et cetera, like we all do. And the first thing I did was have a, you know, have a meeting with the parents and the players um, that were coming in and just kind of laid it out for them. So we were on the same page to start. So there was no, you know, worry about, oh, maybe, co- you know, what's coach going to do here or there? We're a smaller school, so most of our kids play football and baseball. So I don't – I didn't, it was really strange for me because you come in, brand new high school, obviously, but you don't even know who your baseball kids are until – the spring because they're playing football. So um, luckily we had probably 60 or 70 people show up for that meeting. And uh, my main thing there was just like, you know, I'm here as an advocate for your son. Wins and losses are great, but that's not why we do what we do. And uh, I actually have a little, you know, statistic thing that puts up, you know, how many people go play college baseball versus pro. And I say, you know, this is, this is a product of your son working hard, et cetera. And then my next slide is, but here's why I'm here. And it's a picture of, you know, the weddings that I went to for my kids, the kids who had babies, you know, the graduation pictures. I'm like, that's my goal. Uh, the reason I got into coaching was because I saw grown men at 35, 40, 50 years old come back to my dad, put an arm around him and say, coach, the man I am now was directly impacted by how you treated me and what you did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that old saying, the funeral, you know, you don't, you don't take money with you, but you take people and relationships with you when you die. Who do you want at your funeral? You know, you want a lot of people you build relationships with or, or a few people that you just work with. So, um, you know, obviously my dad had a huge impact on me wanting to be a coach, a uh, huge impact on what I do as a coach in terms of those relationships and the team outings and the, you know, making relationships with mothers and dads. Um, but my big thing is just I wanted to be upfront and honest with them. Um, I think like all of us, we do, you know, we do fall meetings where we sit down and, I, and I'm realistic with them. I don't try to sugarcoat it. They need to hear the truth. Um, and we try to weave that into, this is what the real world's like. You know, try to get them as close to when they walk out of the building and they're ready for the real world, whether that's college, whether that's a trade school, whether that's going in the workforce, if they have those, uh, you know, those skills to deal with adversity, which is what our game is so great about anyways. Mm-hmm. That it's built upon, obviously. Absolutely. So was, what are some of the things that you learned from your dad? Excuse me. Um, I mean, again, going back to to relationships and discipline. So I think it's funny, you know, the world we live in now, I have some people say, hey, coach, you're old school. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Is Well, you hold the kids accountable. And I'm like, well, that's not old school. That's that's how you raise a, a young man or young woman. Is you teach them discipline, respect. And so that's what I got from my dad. He, he treated everyone the same. Didn't matter if he was, you know, he was fortunate enough. He's played, coached a bunch of guys that play in the big leagues. And he treated them the same as he treated everybody else. Um, it wasn't, you know, first guy that everyone comes and sees versus the last guy on the freshman team that barely sees the field. Um, everyone dresses the same in practice. I do the same thing. You know, you come out to one of my practices, the freshman and the varsity and everyone in between is going to have the same hat, same shirt, same shorts or pants, whatever we're doing that day. So you don't know who's who. Um, I do I do reward shirts, which, you know, we can talk about that later. So that is a little different. So you'll see four or five kids with reward shirts on. Uh, just kind of, you know, single them out, saying, hey, you did something good yesterday or for the week. 
But uh, that was a big thing that I learned. And then obviously just build on those connections. You know, when you see them in the hallway, ask them about their life. Don't ask about baseball. You know, when they're warming up in the outfield, go talk to them about, you know, hey, how are you doing in English? Hey, how's your mom doing? You know, when you build those relationships, you get those texts. Hey, coach, my mom's, you know, having surgery this week. You know, could send up a prayer for her or whatever that might be. And, you know, obviously as a coach, that's, that's what I do it for. Um, we all want to win. Obviously, that's – I hate losing more than anybody. But when I get those texts, it's when you get the smiles and the warm fuzzies as a coach for sure. Mm, for sure. So sp- uh, speaking of the world, let's go ahead and just get right into the re- reward shirts. What kind of rewards are you giving out? Sure. So, you know, I chart I chart everything. I'm just, I mean, probably too much, to be honest with you. Um, but I learned uh, that, I guess, one of my very first jobs as a, as a coach, um, we had a tryout and stuff didn't get tracked, and we kind of got called on the carpet a little bit. So it started with tryouts. I, you know, I gave a point system. But, you know, going to ABCA and listening to podcasts and everything else, just picked up on a few different things. And it started out with just a player of the week shirt, which was uh, – I just do a camo shirt. We're maroon here. So it's a maroon camo shirt. Um, it has our core values on the front. I don't know if you can – I'm actually wearing the shirt. So, oh, like, there's nice. our core values. And um, so – and then on the back, it says, follow me, because that's a kid that we want to follow. And the thing with the player of the week shirt, it's not necessarily the kid who had the best game. It can be the kid that – stayed after and picked up the bases without being asked. Uh, that's generally who I try to give that shirt to. Um, we do a Golden Glove Award for infielders and outfielders every week. Again, I track every ground ball and fly ball practice um, and in the games. So that person gets a gold shirt for the week. We give a silver slugger, which obviously is the best hitter for that week. It could, we go by QAB is what we do. So the highest QAB for the week or the most barrels or the highest exit velocity, you know, depending on how many games we played that week. Um, do a Cy Young which is, you know, basically the guys do the most strikes and the highest percentage of strike percentage. So you come out, there's a, a kid with a camo shirt on, a yellow shirt, a red shirt, a oh, green shirt is for base running, and then a silver shirt. And they wear that shirt all week. And then the kid who's the player of the week gets to choose the music and practice every day. Oh, sweet. So what uh, base running, how are you uh, giving that out? Uh, I, so, I, you know, Tariko's a big guy for me. I, I listen to him a bunch, but we do the vault lead. Um, so it's, we, again, we chart it. So in practice, we got a stopwatch on them. Um, and it's really just about getting the right jump, getting the right read. Uh, it's a little subjective. Obviously if a kid steals six bases that week, he's going to get the, the award, but you know, obviously the little things in baseball, the taking the right turns. Um, I picked up something at ABCA a few years ago that I think is, is totally different than what most people do. And it's an inside turn at first base where you break down, and you look at the, you know, you look to the fence and then you turn your inside shoulder and you actually turn into the baseline and run to second uh, instead of rounding it off. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of, we've looked at it, it saves you like four and a half steps on average. So you get to the base faster, but stuff like that, the kids that do that, the, the tightest, um, you know, little things like that. So the base running is a little more subjective. Obviously when the season gets rolling, it's whoever steals the most bases that week. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, it's, we got the stopwatch out there. You're getting good jumps or you're reading it right. We use a UCLA system, probably like, you know, some version of what everyone uses. So just that type of stuff. Cool. Yeah, just it's always good to just to hear it from hear it a little different. You know, everybody needs to just hear it a little little way, and it's really cool because you never know who was uh, looking for something. So that's cool. Um, you said with Cy Young, you're looking for like strike percentage. Like I guess it kind of depends on what you would could do, but you're really looking for strike percentage, or you have a certain other. Um, yeah, so when I say strike percentage, I mean, I'm talking about, I guess, you know, again, I listened to the Duke guy talk two years ago, Duke pitching coach, yep. and he said, you know, 
I used to be the guy that if I called an inside fastball and he threw it outside, uh, I call it wasn't a, a target, but it was a strike. And his whole point was he he obviously had stats and you know the D one schools have you know cloud and all the other stuff, but he basically put it up and strikes a strike. You know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. So we chart that, and then if we call a curveball in the dirt and he executes it, then that technically is a strike because he executed the pitch that we wanted to do. So again, we chart that in the in the bullpen. Uh, I generally have. Uh, scripted bullpens for their short box. And then we try to do as much as we can live bullpens uh, on the field or in the batting cage. So we chart, we chart it there as well. And then you, say course, you, you say you try and do as much live stuff as you can. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, and this is a, a, a philosophy thing for me, machines are great. And we use a tar out of machines, especially for velocity. But a few years ago, I thought, man, we're not seeing enough balls out of, of a live hand. Um, you know, like I don't do flips in terms of underhand, because I don't think you see the ball coming from there. So we get on a knee and we still throw it overhand. So, I mean, it's short, it's a short toss, but there's nothing that can replicate something out of hand. So I'm fortunate here. We have 72 foot cages, so we can put a mound in there and throw a live bullpen. Um, so it's, and the school I'm at now, I'm a little shorthanded right now in terms of coaching, just because we're a small school, we just opened up. So I don't have four or five coaches. I, it's just, it's me. Last year was just me for some of the year. And this year I'm going to have three coaches, luckily. But that also allowed me to watch the hitter and the pitcher all at the same time and get a lot more work in. So, like, when we go on the field to do our base running stuff, I try to put a, make the pitcher throw a live bullpen so we can get a real look, uh, a real dirt ball read, you know, that type of stuff. Just the more I can get them on the mound with a live hitter in there, you know, we have the – I don't know what they're called, you know, those little fake hitter guys in there. But it's just different when you get a, a dude in a box. So even if we can't do that, a lot of times I'll have um, – I have two pitchers throw bullpens at the same time. And so they don't throw more than 20 pitches ever in a row. Again, there's some research on that that I've, I've kind of bought into that your arm shouldn't be extended past that. So one hitter, one pitcher gets in the box with a little sawed-off bat, and he's working on his timing because, you know, it's high school. Most of our kids are also hitting. So even if they're not hitting live, there's still a hitter in there where the, the hitter's getting his timing and the pitcher's got to execute his pitch to a real hitter. So, but it is funny when you get them in the bullpen, for some reason, they all freak out. I'm like, guys, it's the same as if you're on the field. There's no different, but they kind of freak out because it's a little closed space. I guess they're thinking they're going to get hit, but I think it's allowed us to be a little more competitive on the bump. And uh, especially when we talk about executing that inside pitch, you know, get in there. That's right. Now I like, the, I like the new, I like the, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely a favor of the 20, no, the 20 max pitches. It's basically like, I tell them like you threw over 20 pitches in an inning we got some problems, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have, we're going to have a long inning, you know? So like, we're just trying to keep that, you know, uh, reiterate that. So I, I, I'm with you there on the 20 pitches. So that's cool. Um, yeah. I'm just thinking about the time, you know, like um, it's always just say, you know, the, how, how do you uh, battle like the time of that it sure. takes with, with live pitching? So again, different place for me. We have first period athletics here, which is different. I've, I've always had last period athletics for baseball. So last year was a little easier because I would throw the bullpens in the morning. We don't start school till 8.45. So athletics isn't over till 9.50. So it's not like I'm getting up here at 6 in the morning and throwing. I mean, it's, it's right. light outside and it's not, you know, 30 degrees or anything. Um, but we would throw in the morning, which, which helped out, I felt like, especially because we're dealing with kids that are also your starting shortstop or your starting center fielder. So it allowed us to take care of the pitch in the morning and then they can take care of their defensive stuff in the afternoon and, Obviously, on bullpen days, they wouldn't go out there and throw 100 throws from shortstop after they threw a bullpen. But, mm-hmm. you know, just 
I think it allowed, and, and again, because of the constraints I had uh, being a little shorthanded, it allowed me to, to do a little bit more there. Um, this year, we're probably going to shift it more because I have three coaches now. So we're going to probably go back to a more traditional look. But again, that's where when we throw in the batting cage, it doesn't take as much time um, because of how, how it's worked out. Yeah, I, I think that's valuable, though, Coach. I mean, because so many people have that challenge, you know, and it's great to hear, like, what you're saying. Is it cool? Here's how I'm adapting to that challenge. I mean, Powerhouse, you know, that I, a fr- friend of mine, Division Two school, you know, they got two coaches, you know, and they're they're always good. I mean, they got kids drafted every year, and it's two guys, you know. So, mm-hmm. like, people are always fighting that challenge and trying to find, find guys to help and um, you know, but, uh, it's, so I think it's valuable. That's valuable information. Like what other things have you found out that kind of get you most bang for your buck since, you know, with, with your, the challenges that you faced? Well, I mean, t- for me, this school, I, so I came from a six, a high school, MacArthur was a six, a high school, yeah. um, with almost 3000 kids, a big school. Uh, we're a four a here. Um, we opened up with like 500. So, uh, it's just different because again, all of my kids at my previous school were pretty much straight baseball. And here there are multiple sports, which, by the way, I, I am a full proponent for that. I actually think it makes kids compete more when they play other sports and come, in, come into baseball. So that so more bang for your buck is truly what we have to do every day out there because we're playing catch-up from not having that time in the fall right. to work base running, to work, you know, pickoffs and all that other stuff. So, um, you know, a guy named Barry Rose, who's a coach in, in, um, in the Dallas area, uh, first it was at Wakeland and now he's at uh, Rockwall. Anyways, really good coach. We were talking and he's like, well, I only have one, one first and third and I really have one butt coverage. And I started talking to him about it. I mean, how much time do we waste on that? I, or at least I used to. And, you know, the one first and third is the second baseman comes up and reads and he either cuts it or lets it go through. Or if, if the dude breaks early, the third baseman just says, you know, whatever your verbiage is, we just say four. Mm-hmm. Well, that's technically four different first and thirds right there. But because we only work on it one time, one way to do it, we get really proficient at it instead of having, okay, this side is cut. This side is throw through. This side is backdoor. This side. So I think that's been huge for us. And, you know, a great bunt, you're never going to def- defeat it anyway. Someone lays out a great bunt, you're going you're gonna to be all right. So really we just, the pitcher's coming, and then depending on the situation, first baseman comes or third baseman comes. And, oh, it is. Uh, you know, it allows the pitcher to be an athlete and not have to worry about running over. So that simplified things which allowed us to take time, spend more. Uh, I'm a real big, you know, schedule guy. I mean, I, I set it out minute by minute, but Butch Chaffins, you know, I'm sure you've heard him talk. He said, don't be a slave to the clock. And I, so I, I shifted my thinking there. I still have it all laid out, but on my schedule, it has times, but on the ones that I post, it doesn't. And if we don't get, if we don't get to the end of the schedule, because of what we're doing, that's fine. Um, but we're always going to end every practice on some type of competition. But generally, if you come into one of my practices, uh, the first thing we're going to do is we are going to get together. I'm just going to go to the practice schedule real quick, even though it's posted and I send it out, everything else. I just don't want any questions because we once we get working, we want to go. Uh, we do the mental training. So, we, you know, we find a spot and, you know, meditate and breathe a little bit. And then we go to the ladder series that I took from Clay Cox. Uh, we ladder series with a glove in our hand and a ball. When they come out, we're either rolling the ball or whatever. So it's incorporated and we go straight into some type of base running. Um, some days it's four station where hit and run at the plate, hit and run at first, you know, less than two outs of second contact play at third. Some days it's three bases at first where the, the front bag is doing dirt ball, the middle bag is doing straight steel, the back bag is doing delay as well as second base. We're going to do something like that in about 
10 minutes, we're getting a ton of reps on it. Um, the base running carousel that, that Sheets kind of shared a while back, we took that last year. It was a great drill. You get to knock out a ton of stuff, all different types of angles in, in 10 minutes. And then we roll into, I generally split them up where infield is on offense and outfield is on defense, individual work. And then we flip it and then we come together and do team. Um, to me, again, I, I'm just a big team guy. The more stuff we can do together, the more stuff we can have with all nine guys moving around the field, the better off we're going to be. So even when we do, I'm going to have three teams this year, which is great. So what I'll do when we do the base running stuff a lot of times, because that third team doesn't get a lot of field work. We only have one field and they've got to go over to the, you know, practice football field or whatever. So they'll go out to the field and they'll be our defenders. And, you know, obviously reading it live off a bat with an actual defender out there is different than just hitting the ball to a blank space. So that's going to be a big, big deal for us too, I think. What do you like doing for most for like your like you said you, you like having the team def- the team out there? You know what, how are what are what are the ways that you're? What do you love? What's your bread and butter when you get to like team defense and team offense? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know if I have a bread and butter because I try not to be stagnant. I try not to make uh, make us do the same thing uh, every day. So like, I mean, not even the teams, but like offensively, um, we have a theme every day. So like Monday mm-hmm. is my pitch Monday. Tuesday is Two Strike Tuesday. Wednesday is Hump Day Hangers. Thursday's Thumping Thursday. So in the caves, they're working on something specific, and then we roll that over to team. So again, when we do team, a lot of times I try to again get as much live work as possible. So we'll either split the varsity and JV up evenly, where we have you know varsity JV, varsity JV guy in the field, or we just roll straight varsity, straight JV. I don't like to do that unless I'm throwing BP because you know the younger kids struggle a little bit if you if you put a guy up there throwing varsity level pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I'm, that's a great question about what I think my bread and butter is. I mean, we play 21 outs, I guess, is the thing the kids like the most. Um, you know, we, we alternate that in. Uh, they love the game where a uh, situational game against something I stole from Clay Cox where we have a deck of playing cards and there's a situation on the card and they pull the card and whatever that card is, they run out and that's the situation we work. So it can be bases loaded two outs. And if they get the out, the inning's over, next guy's out. Um, but team defense, we do a a four a four base drill where the catcher calls a sequence of bases. So let's say it says three, four, two, one. So the first ball is the third, second ball is the four, then it's for second, then the first, and then always back to home. One team's on the field, the other team's on the side. You make an error, you hop out, the other team's on. So it makes it a competition. And then the loser's got to, you know, pick up the field or do a fireman crawl, you know, something that it's not difficult, but just a little incentive to get them out there. I think that's the one the kids kind of like the most. The reason I like it the most is and it makes sure that every infielder knows which base to go to, right? Like my biggest pet peeve is when you're going cut four and the second baseman standing there staring, you know, into the, you know, abyss instead of going to cover first base. Yeah. So I think that's made us a lot better at being able to backdoor balls because we know where we're supposed to be. What was that? You said the, it was called the four base drill you caught. Yeah, so I, that's just what we call it, the four base drill. They, and you said they, they said they tell them where to go. They tell the yep. So the, and, and they throw it out of sequence. They're out. And it, they're, they're so it's a throwing. You're throwing the ball around three, three, ball, two. Four bases. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just tell the sequence. So normally, let's just say you go four, two, three, one. So yeah. the, the outfielder throws it home. Catcher throws it second. Second throws it third. Third throws it first. First throws it back to catcher. He tags. That's the end of it. So okay. they got to field it cleanly. They got to catch it cleanly. They got to throw it cleanly. So obviously the first few times we do it, you can imagine what it looks like, but as the year progresses, it, it gets, it gets a lot better. 
Um, and I, I just think it's helped us, like I said, really make teams pay attention to not getting big leads or big turns to take that extra base because we'll backdoor them because there's always a guy there. Yeah, you're, you're, you're playing that game there. It's playing catch, though, too. Playing catch at a high level, you're going to be doing well. For sure. That's, I mean, isn't that – yeah, playing catch is always the biggest issue, so. Mm. I like it. Uh, Four-base drill. Sequence. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, I was just wondering. I mean, everybody has their things. Yeah, 21 outs, you know. Uh, it's always, it's always a good one. Um, how was your BP? How was your BP? Like when you go to team off? So when you say like you do your theme stuff, so are you, are you really just focused on the batters? Are you still bringing in defense? Are you still, like you said, when you, are you charting everything during that time? Yes. Or are you really just charting the offense at that time? No, we're charting all of them. Uh, and, and how then, do you do that with your, how do you do that with your, again, with the challenge of having a small staff? So I've been fortunate. I've been fortunate to have managers that are really good. Um, I, at my previous school, I had a kid that literally by the, by a senior year, I would have trusted him to coach my varsity. He, he knew the game that well, which was awesome. But I have some uh, young ladies here who said, Hey coach, can we be baseball manager? Like, sure. As long as you show up and they show up every day and they chart. And I mean, it's not a hard chart. They field it. Check. They make an error error, you know, web gym, web gym, check. Um, so one of them charts that and the other one charts the offensive stuff. You know, I'm a big, you know, I put the radar gun back there because uh, ultimately it, it's still a metric that the kids are going to swing hard because they don't want to get embarrassed by that radar gun. Um, you know, I'm a big, and the kids here have done an unbelievable job buying into our offense philosophy, um, which, you know, hunting pitches in, in certain zones. So like on that My Pitch Monday, a lot of times if we're throwing BP and let's say you're, you're a five, six guy, which is down the middle of middle out. And I throw a, and we throw a 70 swing, your round's over. You know, I want them to understand you can take a pitch. It's okay to take a strike. Um, and they've done it. The guys at this school, I mean, for us being brand new and basically competing with freshmen and sophomores last year, our offensive approach was impeccable, which makes me fired up because I'm going to have these kids for three to four years. And, you know, they were already pretty good at last year. They're going to get a lot better at it. So, um, you know, like all of us, we're going to hunt fastballs, obviously, but we really try to understand what we're what we're doing inside the strike zone and not chasing pitches that we can't drive. You know, my hit and run philosophy is probably completely different than most. Um, to me, hit and run is, is an antiquated thing because why am I going to ask a kid to swing the bat at a ball he can't drive just to move the run over? So what we teach is if it's hit and run and it's your pitch, then absolutely, absolutely destroy the pitch. But if it's not, you swing late and throw off the catcher's timing and you might get a catcher's interference. But we're not going to waste in that bat on, you know, or pitch just to put a ball in play and weakly ground it out, you know, roll over to the, the pitcher or second baseman. So, uh, you know, stuff like that, we really try to focus on and make them understand that it's okay. And I think, um, you know, as a coach, um, the younger coach can, there's no way I would have been able to sit over there in the, in the batter in the coach's box and been like, they took a pitch on the middle end and I would have been losing my mind. But if that's not the kid's pitch, then why am I going to be upset at it? Uh, just like stealing bases, you know, um, I don't get, if we get thrown out, okay, who cares? And I think the first time they realized that I wasn't going to get on, we getting thrown out, it completely opened up uh, our, our base stealing. We sold 124 bags last year. Mm. Um, and I don't, I mean, I have some guys that can run, don't get me wrong, but we're not full of burners. So, you know, we do the green, yellow, red system. I'm sure like, you know, a lot of people do, but you know, if it's a green guy, you got a green light. So out of the 124 bases we sold, I think I only called, maybe 14 actual steals. Mm. 
So just kind of freeing them up and letting them do that. Uh, when we do inner squad or we do live stuff, if you get thrown out the first time, you get to go back for free. The second time, if you get thrown out, then you're out and, and it's over. So stuff like that, just to let them free up and, and just understand that, hey, it's okay to get out here and have fun. That's what the game's supposed to be about. You don't have to put so much pressure on yourself. Awesome. Great stuff. Great stuff. Oh, geez, excuse me there. Okay. Oh, man. But in terms of – I know one of the things, you you know, when we first talked about was the, the Father's Night Out thing that we did. Yeah. Um, so that's something I straight I took straight from my father. So, um, you know, to me, one of the most important things you can do is have your team spend time with each other outside of school. So we do a team outing once a month. Um, and most of our team outings are open to the entire family. So like this year, we did a, a team kickoff and uh, it was a potluck. So freshmen all the way through seniors showed up. Uh, we had like 130 people or something crazy, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're talking about only 30 kids in the program, it's a lot of people, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles showed up. We had, you know, an inflatable bounce house for the little kids. Uh, we had archery tag for the big, for the, you know, high school kids. They got after it, had a good time, nice. but um, we did, excuse me real quick. So we did father's night out uh, last month. So father's night out is something that, again, I stole straight from my father. Um, you know, we're dealing with high school kids and, we all know that high school kids really don't spend a lot of time with their parents. I mean, they'd rather not. That's just the age they're at. So this is a chance for them to go out and spend a night with their son watching the game they love. So we always do it during the World Series. Uh, we go to a sports bar or something local like that, and they get to spend the day with, you know, a night out with their dad watching baseball. Um, again, great event. We had, gosh, a ton. I don't remember the exact number. I want to say 60-something total show up. And then we'll do a mother's night out here next month in December. Uh, where the kids have to wear a shirt and tie and we buy the moms a rose and, you know, they get to spend a night with their mom, which, you know, moms love that. They absolutely uh, look forward to that night every year because their teenage son just doesn't go do stuff with his mom anymore. <laughs> um, and I always tell them, listen, this is your night to spend with your son before I take him for the next, you know, four months because it's right before we get going. You know, another thing that I, I took from ABCA was, um, you know, I get Christmas cards made. And I, I handwrite a letter to each individual kid or family. And during our Christmas party, I, I hand those out. And again, that's just building those relationships and, you know, kind of going the extra mile to let them know, hey, you actually care about what's going on outside of baseball. And it's not just about, you know, what's on the scoreboard at the end of the day. I, I want your son to succeed in life. Um, and, you know, I'm sure just like you, Coach, some of the kids that never played are the kids that had the biggest impact on me and come back and talk to me more than – than kids that were studs and, you know, got drafted and went and played, you know, big-time baseball. Um, so just stuff like that. We, You know, I was up in Dallas. We used to go to Ranger game um, every every year. Obviously, we're down here in San Antonio. We don't have a professional baseball team. but So we try to do something like that every month, get together and do something outside. And then in the spring, we do uh, team dinners. Uh, you know, one of the parents opens up their house for us. And, again, it's open to parents, too. So uh, a lot of times we have, you know, 10 to 12 parents there with their kids. And again, it's just building that, that family um, relationship thing. I, I always tell the parents, we're only going to be as good as, as you want it to be. Because ultimately to me, to be successful in a high school program, the people in the stands have to be pulling just as hard on that rope as the people in the field. And if you can't get the buy-in and, and the, and the love from the people in the stands, it's an uphill battle. It really is. Um, you know, I talk to them all the time about, you know, when they come home, if they hear you talk badly about someone, 
then they think it's okay to talk badly about somebody. You know, if there's an issue, my door's always open. Come talk to me. But please don't talk badly about a player or a coach on the way home because then your son thinks it's acceptable to do that. Um, you know, things like that. Umpires, huge issue right now with, with our game. Um, opening a brand new school, I told them, you know, there's an umpire shortage going on right now down here in Texas, like everywhere from what I understand. And do we want to be the school that umpires want to come to because our fans treat them with respect and we'll get good umpires? Or we're going to get the reputation of, hey, those fans wear you out and we're not going to get good umpires. So, you know, stuff like that, just trying to go that extra mile to really build that connection with not just the kid, but the entire family. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, just a question about like, because you've, you've done it for a while. Uh, when have you found like the best time to do a team dinner? You do it once a week, do it after a game, do it before. Like when, when do you find, when do you find, when you found like the best time to work that works? So we do district on Tuesday and Friday here, unless it's, you know, good Friday. So Wednesday is always our short practice day. So uh, we go do team outings on Wednesday. Um, I didn't do it last year, but something else that I, I really want to get back to doing is we used to call it Manly Mondays. We'll probably do Wisdom Wednesdays where, you know, teaching boys how to change a tire, how to, you know, tie a tie. Um, this is a big military area. Like, I want to get uh, them out here and show us how to properly do the national anthem, uh, things like that. So we'll probably do – you know, we only have like an hour practice on Wednesday, so pretty short day, just a recovery day for us. Uh, we'll probably do that and then go into the team dinner. Uh, that evening. And, um, you know, my family, just like all of us is huge. My wife's great about that. I got three kids that are at the house now. And then I have one for my first marriage, but they come to team outings. They're with me there. Uh, I want my kids to see my children and how I interact with them to show them my human side, my, Hey, I'm not just coach. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a parent. Um, and of course the kids love all my kids and they love being around them. Right. Um, but again, just to, the more that my family is up here, I think the more of a connection I make with the kids because they see the loving side of me with my children. Um, so that's a big deal. My wife, you know, she comes up just a lot of times just to stop in for practice for five minutes so I can see my kids because we practice so late uh, with, not, with school not getting out until 4.30 that by the time I get home, they're, they're generally already asleep. So little stuff like that to me, it goes a long way. Um, you know, being a coach's kid myself, uh, I never felt like my dad wasn't at home because my mom – made that effort to have us go up there and just see him for five minutes or go to the games. Um, and I want that for my children too. You know, that's the hardest part about our job is that we spend more time with other kids than we do our own. So um, it's great that my kids understand what I'm doing, even though they're young. Um, you know, I have a 15 year old, but then I have a seven, a four and a 20 month old. And there's no place I'd rather be in the baseball field, mostly because mm -hmm. those kids play with them when they come up there. So um, again, just building that family atmosphere it, it, to me. Um, it's such a huge deal. Yeah, for sure. That's that's awesome. I think that's that's the the price of admission there, man. That was awesome. That's that's that's. I was I was loving to get into a lot of that. Um, is there it, in terms of? I just feel like, man. I, I I also think with all of your stuff that you're, you're that you're doing, that I mean, we ought to fund. I'm not sure how like what your fundraising efforts are and things like that. You know, like. Have you found like unique ways of like fundraising and things like that? Because like, are you kind of mixing that with your outings? Because man, with like 150 people coming out to one of these, like that's that's awesome. Sure. Um, again, it, it, different here than it was in my old place because kids play multiple sports. So you know, we would generally fundraise in the fall and then the spring. I can't really ask a kid to fundraise at the same time as they're doing their football fundraiser with baseball. So right. 
Um, this past year, you know, first year being here with the pandemic and everything, we just did the Snap Race fundraiser, um, which uh, we almost raised 30 grand. So that was unbelievable. I mean, I've wow. never raised that much ever in the places I've been. Um, the great thing about the community at this school is the parents are, are go-getters. Um, a lot of them are, you know, like I said, we got a lot of retired military, but we have a lot of retired military that work with their own business. So they're really hardworking, blue-collar people, um, and they'll go out there and, and get it done. So, um, you know, we're going to tr- basically do the same thing this year. We talked about doing some type of, you know, casino night or something like that, maybe uh, next fall um, to have a fall fundraiser that we don't ask kids to go out and do stuff. But I haven't found the secret sauce yet, uh, but I think here compared to the place I was before, just a lot more parent involvement. So we're going to be more successful with our fundraisers. Um, I got a a buddy who I played college ball with is did a stock the freezer fundraiser. His name is Paul Yilda. I just texted him about actually last week where his booster club buys freezers, loads them up with meat and they sell, uh, I think they sell tickets and the raffle ticket wins a ton of money. Yeah. Uh, so that might be something we do where, you know, um, so, you know, just different stuff like that. I'm a, just like all of us, fundraising is always something you're looking to do. Um, I think just like anything else, if you do the same fundraiser more than two times, it gets stagnant and people don't want to do it. So just trying to, you know, maneuver around and try to figure out the best way to, to do that, especially with, like I said, not having everybody available to raise money in the fall and the spring. Right. Yeah. I, I was just wondering, I just was curious, like, man, I bet you, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you. I guess you saw, like, I man, with Snap Raise. That Snap Raise is a is a solid fundraiser for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just wondering. I was curious. I was curious. So that's 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 good. Well, if you got if you got a secret sauce, you let me know. I'll I'll try. No, it I was just I was just I mean I just wanted me. Yeah, like I mean you know the whole the bonanzas. You know, you know I was in a rural I'm in a rural rural area, so gun bonanzas were pretty big here. Oh, you nice. know and. Uh, you know, we have guys that do like pallets of beer. You got guys that do Yeti raffles, you know, you got, you know, that is, it is like, you just, you find the best way. I think what you nailed on the head is like, here's what my area does well, you know, here's right. what my area is about. I think that is where it really is about, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes you throw into something like, Oh, no one's ever done this, you know, like maybe you do that. So, but I think with as much parent involvement, like you said, you have like, man, fundraising, yeah, definitely would be a, a positive yeah. for you. The only bad uh, thing about Snap is last year I was the first one to do it. But this year it's football does it, basketball does it, soccer does it, we do it. So those kids that play four sports, I mean, they're hitting up the same people. So that's why we're going to probably try to find something different, you know, yeah. avenue after after this year to go, go do for sure. Yeah, that's understandable. That's understandable. That's tough. Yeah, because that Snap raise, that's a good one. It's a good one. Um, oh, man, that's great. So I have a question. So um, it just sounds like a lot, you know, like with – where you're heading to, into um, and, you know, I know much you learn and you take away and, you know, you've heard so much coaches talk about the classroom setting and maybe leadership stuff. Like um, a- as much as you're involved with trying to teach the person um, and you talk a little about like in your practice plan, like the first thing you do, like your mental, uh, your mental session and things like that. Are you doing anything else like through like a classroom setting of like maybe like a leadership lesson or, you know, um, you know, think things in, ter- in terms of that. So our school, um, our school bought Steve Mackey's two words program. Um, he's a motivational guy. He's awesome. Uh, really. I mean, Steve Mackey, you said yes, Stephen Mackey. Yeah. Uh, two words is the, is the name of the program. Uh, and they bought it. So we have the, you know, basically the, the study materials and everything where you can hand out worksheets or 
whatever. And every message is built on, you know, he gives you two words and he expands the point. Um, every time I listen to him speak, I'm like, man, I can run through a brick wall right now. So uh, that's been great. And we, and we incorporated uh, the head football coach here, um, went ahead and purchased it for the entire uh, program, athletic program. So like right now we're in off season, football just ended. So we all go in there and do it together. So it's not just us by ourselves. Um, like basketball is in season. So he does it in the mornings or in the afternoons after school, but we're all doing it together. So it's kind of been nice too, that you can talk to other coaches or the kids can talk about it with each other um, and kind of just build upon it. You know, that's been really unique. I, I really, I mean, he's great. I don't know if you ever heard him speak, but he, he's, no, I, I haven't awesome never, never heard of it. Yeah. So just explain a little bit about the program. <clears throat> Are you, you're, you're, is it like a lesson? You basically start with these two words, and then the lesson is basically built off the two words. Sure, yeah. So he goes – it's basically a five- to ten-minute clip of him talking about that lesson, and then the material that goes with you have follow-up questions, you know, uh, to get more in-depth with it. Uh, he's a Texas guy, so he started here, and he's he's exploded out here. He actually – I think he's – he might be the official guy for the, the Texas High School Coach Association um, motivational guy now. I think he signed on with them, so – He's, he's blown up really quickly, but it's because he does such a great job and he's passionate about what he does. Um, he's really passionate about coaches too, like nice. telling us how important we are, what the impact is we have on kids. Um, so that that's great. I mean, he and he's a guy that even though he's gotten big, I guarantee you I could pick up the phone right now and call him or text him and he'd get back to me almost immediately if I had a question about something. So, you know, th- those are always the type of people you want to you want to be in touch with. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. So the two words. So how do you find time to do that? So like, so right now it's in all seasons. We do it uh, once a week on, on Fridays. During the, like during the season, the mental stuff I'm talking about is mostly Brian Kane stuff yep. um, that we took from him. Um, the, the guided meditation stuff that, that Alan Yeager and, and Sheets have done. Uh, we've kind of cherry-picked that too. Um, Brian Kane has a, had a book he came out with a long time ago that has like 365 days of lessons. And so each kid, I give them the book and they have to go home and study. And then they present that lesson to the, to the uh, team during the mental, before the mental stuff starts. So that's been good too. Um, he had a hotline that I don't use anymore, but it used to have a hotline when you call it. I had a daily thought that was great. So we've done all that stuff before. Um, I guess, in the, and then we also, when we rotate, so we do the, the mental stuff, we go into our base running. And then before we hit, or before we go to defense, we take a quick, you know, three breath ins, hold and exhale uh, for two or three reps just to reset ourselves before we go into what we're doing there, too. So just along the way, we kind of reset just to make sure they're controlling their breath. Obviously, when they, before they step in the box, you know, we find the focal point, you know, pitchers should be taking deep breath, et cetera. Um, you know, I have them. Uh, we have um, always grind notebooks for the hitters and the pitchers. And in that book, they actually have to write to me, write down what the reset is on defense. So like if they make an error, what's your focal point that you're resetting? Um, so just kind of hold them accountable that way as well. What all is in that? Can we get, can we dive into the always, can we dive into the notebook? Sure. So, you know, it's just a, you know, you've seen the major league guys in the, in the dugout writing down notes. Yeah. Um, and this company basically just took that idea and, and turned it into a template. Oh, today. you, you, it's a, it's a, it's a company. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. It's Sorry, a, I was not familiar with that. I thought it was something that you just made up. No, well, I, I did it originally just in those little, you know, notebooks you buy from Walmart. Yeah. Um, and that was fine. But the template really is, again, 
the more guidance we give kids, especially now, the more in depth they're going to go instead of just, you know, I hit the ball to right center. Well, this book will be like, it, it has you go in and tell, like, break down every pitch. What did they throw? Where was it located? Um, you know, that type of information. And then for me, what I love about it is, like, say a kid is tearing the cover off the ball for the first two weeks of the season, and then he, he slumps like everybody does. Call him in the office, say, bring your book with you. Let's go back and look at when you were being successful. And like, oh, well, yeah, coach, I was, I was hitting, I wasn't chasing this pitch. Exactly. So let's, so it's a good check-in point for them too. Um, I, you know, it's, they're not expensive. I want to say they're 20 bucks a, a, a book. So each kid in my program buys one of those. And, uh, and then after every at-bat, they got to go in and write down the notes. That's how I also take it for a grade for them. So at the end of the week, I go through and check them. And if they haven't been doing it, then I'm like, well, uh, we do call them opportunity for improvement. OFIs are going to go knock out a opportunity for improvement. Um, and again, I think that has really helped sharpen our understanding of what's happening in the game. When they come up that third time, they've sat down and wrote down what that pitcher's done to them or how that coach has attacked them. And, you know, this last year, the first year we used the, the company and uh, the kids were like, coach, I, I knew he was going to throw that pitch because the first time when we played him on Tuesday, on two strikes, the coach always threw a curveball. So I set curveball on two strikes, and he got it. He smacked the ball. So I think it's really kind of helped them focus in. Um, and, you know, I think it also allows them when they're frustrated not to go in and lose their mind because they're sitting down and having to think about their at-bat and write down write down everything, even when they're having a bad day uh, at the plate. You know, as we all – when we're having – when we're going good, everybody feels great. Uh, you know, but it's one of those bad days that I think that book has kind of helped us out a little bit too, to be honest. Yeah, always grind. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Good stuff. Oh, good stuff. Man, um, you had mentioned, I'm just thinking of, uh, uh, my mind just kind of went to, uh, like, uh, I guess, um, you had talked about just all the players that you've gotten to go on and things like that. Um, how is that, how, how, are, how are you bringing that into this? You know, like, you, I know that you are, definitely more about um, than just just what's happening in the game and how are you involved in the recruiting aspect? I, well, to me, I, again, this is coming straight from my father and watching what he did. Um, if a kid wants to go play college baseball, I'm going to do my best to find him somewhere to play. Now, of course, that comes with a lot of questions. You know, what does that mean? Do you really want to go play? Because if you want to go play, I can call a place in Montana and they'll probably be like, oh, yeah, I'll take a kid from Texas. Um, or do you want to stay within the Metroplex? Do you want to stay, you know, do you only want to play division two or higher? You know, the, those type of conversations, um, obviously being in the game for a long time. And then my dad being in the game for a long time, I've got plenty of connections um, that I reach out. But again, this goes back to the, the honesty portion when we have our, our end of the year meetings. And one of the questions on the questionnaire is, do you want to play collegiate baseball? What level do you believe you can play at? A lot of times it's a rude wake up call when you really sit down and have a, an honest conversation with the kid. Like, you know, son, I know you think you're a division one player and I'm not saying you can't get there, but right now you're not there. And why don't we look at avenues where you might be able to get there in two years? You know, those type of conversations. And unfortunately we've also had the conversations of you're going to have to go walk on somewhere. You know, you have to prove yourself, um, you know, but I, I feel like our job as a high school coach is to help a kid in whatever he wants to do. Uh, am I successful a thousand percent of the time? Of course not. Nobody is. But I will do my best to find somewhere for them to play. Because there's enough schools out there, if you really want to go play, we can find somewhere for you to play. 
it might not be your ideal school. Um, and again, again, we have in the fall, you know, we, we go over different stuff and we have the, the stories of guys who went undrafted and went and played a division three Juco. And now is a star of the MLB. We have those stories all the time. Um, and I never, never want to try to crush a kid's dreams ever. That's not my job. Um, but I need to be real, realistic with them too. Um, this year for me is going to be a, a we're going to have a few difficult conversations because like I said, we were basically freshmen and sophomores last year and I've had some kids move in uh, and had some kids last year who could not play varsity because of transfer rules in Texas that are going to be up. So we're going to probably have some kids that played significant innings for us last year that might not be able to get on the field uh, this year on varsity, but they're a sophomore in high school. So I'm going to go put them on JV because they need to get at bats and get live work. So just the more upfront, honest you are about them with that stuff, I think the better off you are. Um, you know, in terms of how I help, though, you know, we video, 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 video. I got, you know, video coming out of my ears. Um, and we have a thing called Virtual Combine that, again, the Booster Club bought for us. Um, basically, again, it's just, a, it's just a program, but they streamline where you can put all of your data on one site. Like it links your Twitter. It links your um, perfect gameplay. It, it puts all – so like testing days for us, I get to put all our testing data in, whether it's, you know, bench squat deadlift, uh, exit velocity, pitching velocity, 60 times, and it tracks it throughout their career. So it kind of shows you how they've grown or, or where they're still, you know, missing that. Um, this year we incorporated Blast Motion. Uh, we asked all our kids to buy that, and then we're going to get the Diamond Kinetics baseballs for pitchers. So, again, just trying to get all that data. You know, the greatest thing about Twitter and, and the world we live in now, college coaches can recruit from their desk. They don't have to, to get out and see them. Not that they don't do that, but – um, I want to make sure if I get a phone call, I have something that I can show a coach that he understands instead of just me saying, oh, yeah, he's a good hitter. You know, right. like, no, here's his, here's, his, here's his blast motion stuff, coach. Here's video of him. Um, let me know what else you need. You know, obviously the first question is, is he a good student? Uh, my program, the, the standard's 80 or higher. Um, we run grade reports on Sunday. If you don't have an 80, you go get an OFI for every class you're below an 80. And um, – I'm proud to say that I haven't had a single kid fail here. Um, and at MacArthur, the old school I was at, I think I only had two kids fail in nine years. So, you know, kids are always like, well, coach, why do you make me keep an 80 and 70s passing? Well, son, if, if you have an 80 or higher average, there's very few colleges you're not going to be able to get into. That's it. Uh, if you have an 80 or higher average and you bomb a test, you're not going to fail. Or if you have a 73 average and you bomb a test, now you're failing. So, um, and again, that's just a mindset thing. But I think, again, kids have bought in. And you want to talk about parents buying in when you just sit up there and tell them, Hey, our, my first job here is to make sure that they are good in the classroom and the 80 or higher. The parents are like, absolutely. Let's, let's get it. Let's get going. Um, and then sometimes I even get those emails. Hey coach, uh, you know, Dylan says he's struggling in this class. Have you checked his grade? You know, they know I'm checking. So that's kind of been nice to do that as well. Um, but I always have, you know, their transcript ready to go. Um, when I go to ABCA, I take business cards with me. And I try to talk to as many college coaches as I possibly can and hand them my card and say, hey, if you're looking, you know, we have conversations. What are you looking for? Blah, blah, blah. I'll write that kid's information on the back of that business card. Here you go, coach. And then let me know what you need and I'll send you whatever I got. So, um, you know, I'm very active on social media and that's not because necessarily I love being on it, but I think the best way for me to communicate what we're doing is to spotlight our kids is to put it out there. Sure. Um, so that's what we do. You know, I try to get it out there as many ways as possible. You know, obviously max preps we use and, you know, game change and all that stuff, but we have a thing called virtual combine. So now like 
if a coach calls and says, uh, hey, you got any right-handed pitchers? Yes, coach. I'm going to send you this link to his virtual combine page, all his videos. I, I, everything's on that same page. So they don't have to go to Twitter, and then they, don't, they have to go to Huddle, then they have to go to this, then they have to go to that. It's all right there so they get all the information together. It's so, really nice. Yeah. It's really nice. Basically having, like, your own team website. Yes, yeah, essentially, yes, sir. Yeah, it's nice. <clears throat> I love it. Uh, question about the testing days. So, like, you mentioned about testing days. And I, I was curious about that. So, like, how often do you do this? How often are you doing it, you know, um, with your testing days? If you could just kind of dive in a little bit more, you that. Obviously, we do a baseline test when we come back um, the first week of school. Okay. Uh, weight room and on the field. So, we have our weight room test and we have our own field test. Um, and then we try to – I try to break it up into um, six-week increments. So, we try to test every six weeks. Um, obviously when the school year starts, um, you know, it's a little more difficult and challenging, but we try to, again, we lift in the mornings. So, um, you know, Zach Dushoff, the guy at TCU, um, you know, I really bought it, you know, moving over Max's world, we'll think about that. And, um, you know, kids are all like, coach, why are we lifting on game day? Well, let me show you all the schools that lift on game day, guys. It's not a, it's not a thing to do. And there's actually been studies, you know, that show, if you lift in the morning, your body starts to get, and you, you generally perform better in the afternoon. So we don't PR or test on a game day, um, but we will come in generally on Saturday during the season, um, and we'll we'll test that day just to see where we're at, uh, change the weight cards, et cetera. Um, and, you know, when I got here, again, you're starting from scratch. So that's been the nicest thing um, is not having to change habits. Yeah. We, we, were the, we started the way we want to be. You know, it's like a coach's dream. You don't have to break any habits. It's it's your program. It's what you do. Um, it's like there's no doubt that what we're doing out there is Coach Canan. It's not or Coach Canan's philosophy. Um, it's not somebody else's philosophy that I'm trying to either merge with or adjust or everything else. So that's been that's been awesome. Um, we've got a strength and conditioning guy here who's great. Uh, love him to death. Um, he's our defensive coordinator as well. He does powerlifting. So. Um, he incorporates all that stuff. Again, because we share a lot of athletes, we pretty much all do the same lifts. So that's been a little different for me, but I've actually enjoyed it because like right now, our baseball and football team are lifting together. So there's a lot of kids in there getting after, it, you know, and it's loud and it's weights are being thrown around and it's a competitive environment. Again, the more we can compete, uh, the better off we're going to be. But then again, like I said, we test and then we go in and, and I always, you know, put the obviously increases uh, and then we spotlight them again. We put them out there on social media. Uh, to let them know, you know, who the guys that, that did the most. You know, a kid, a freshman kid is obviously going to always take the biggest jump because most of them have never lifted weights. Yeah, so sure. that first that first test, they might only lift uh, the bar, you know, on the on the bench, and then they go up 55 pounds. Um, but I've got two kids right now that are juniors that are probably two of the strongest kids in the whole school. I mean, they're, they're squatting over 400, and, um, you know, we don't deadlift right now, but I guarantee if we deadlift, those kids could probably deadlift 600 pounds. So it's been a big deal for us that the weight room uh, is a big buy-in. And the fact that we all get in there together, I felt like it's pushed us to be even better in that space. Mm. Awesome. Uh, when you get in terms of like the baseball-wise testing too that you're doing, so you're doing like exit velocity, mm -hmm. um, of course running, I would imagine running. You also, would you also run those every ten, every six weeks? You're running. Mm -hmm. uh, do you do any kind of what, – what are the like baseball-specific testing – well, we do 60s, is? which is that's just for again the college stuff, but we do home to first. Yep. Um, and I do, and we do our, we always time our steals. 
So yep. I do I do the cone system. So I tell them when they hit the third cone or when they break, that's when I start the timer. Yep. Um, so, and that's, and we do that test a lot. I do that test once a week to try to make sure we know where we're at for, in terms of their green, yellow, or red guys. Um, but we do that. We do, I do a distance throw. Um, again, something that I, I just, I think it's a good thing to do. Um, I, I'm a big believer in long toss. I, I just, I know there's all types of, but to me, if you get out there and you can throw the ball, long toss, stretch out, you're going to have a strong arm. Um, we do pull downs. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of it, but the kids want to do it. So, hey, if the kids want to do it, then we'll do it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know any college coach that comes out and says, hey, what's their pull down? Like, they, I mean, yeah, it's a great stat for them to see, but it's not something that I think they're looking for. But we do pitching velocity, obviously. Uh, and then we do an accuracy throw um, with a nine pocket from 90 feet. Again, just a measurable to, to see kind of where they're at. Um, trying to think what else we do. Exit velocity, like you said. Uh, that's really the hitting wise. That's really the main one we, we work on right now. With the blast sensors, we're going to go more towards bat speed than the exit below. You know, with the radar guns, as you know, it's the, you know, the cone. And, you know, it's aggravating when a kid smokes one outside the cone and it shows up as, you know, 45 or something. So the blast motion has been huge because it's, it's right there. I mean, it's very consistent. So we're going to probably shift more away from that and more towards bat speed and, and path and connection and all those things. Just, you know, as we move forward, now we mm-hmm. have, that, have that tool. Very cool. Yeah, I was just curious. And then, um, um, are you are you doing those in the baseball test, like in the off season, or do you do you bring that in during the, uh, during your season as well? We do off season, and then we do all the testing, like all that stuff we do at the. We actually do it in tryouts as part of my tryout. There you go. Um, so that's kind of what, now during the year. I, I'm not. We we do exit velocity in the cage every day, so that's a test that we, that's there every single day. We write it down, we chart it. Um, and like I said, we do steel times at least once a week to try right. that. Um, so we, we kind of mix it in, uh, but it's not something that during the season we stop down and say, Hey, today we're testing. Um, but like I said, we do it at tryouts and then, you know, I'm hoping that one day we're, we're going to be playing with after school's out. Cause that's when the state championship is down here. But, um, you know, if we end the season before the school's out, then we'll do it. We'll do it in the season testing. And what I tell them for that is this is going to tell me if you really worked over the summer or not, like, I don't need any other information. Uh, you can, you can talk to me all you want, but if you show up and you've gotten slower, weaker, and don't throw the balls hard, then you did not work this summer. I mean, it's mm. just black and white. Um, one of the best things about our game, in my opinion, is, uh, is the statistical side. Now that doesn't tell us everything, but it's, you can't lie when, when, when the gun says what it says or, or the weights, you know, the weights aren't going to lie to you. They're going to tell you exactly if the kid worked over the summer or not. So, and again, going back to the, the college recruiting thing, you know, guys, if you really want to go play college ball, it's not just show up and work out during the athletic period. Um, you got to put the extra work in because other guys are putting extra work in. So, Absolutely. Totally agree. Man, that was a lot. This is a lot, a lot of information, man. You're just you're loving it. I just uh, really appreciate it, Coach. So, like, just wrapping things up here, man. We've been about an hour. We've been here over an hour now. Um, I appreciate your time. Is there anything – now I'm just thinking myself, just kind of going back and what I'm looking into. Is there anything that we may haven't hit on that you were wanted to talk about? Man. Um, Covered a good bit. I mean, I could, you know, just like you, I could talk about baseball for forever. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, I mean, 
base running stuff. I, I will say the another thing I did kind of adapt is a guy named Kyle Mickles, one of my good buddies. Um, you know, like I said, we do green, yellow, red all the time. So that's I have it on my lineup card. It's posted on the dugout, but what we have in the dugout is a sign that's green, yellow, red. We circle it. Actually, we have black also, which are those guys that are like one seven in the plate, and that's just not <laughs> we're not going to do it. And so I don't have to go tell a kid like, "Hey, hey, green guys, you can go." It's right there on the board, right above our bat rack, so they know exactly. And then what I took from Kyle was he actually he has fire. What I did, I have fire. I have a stop, like a, a traffic sign, and then I have an icicle, which is fire is you're free to do whatever you want. It's wide open. You can run, take the extra base, put the pressure on. The signs is you can only go if I tell you to. So that's a situation where, I don't know, maybe late in games or something, I don't want a kid to get you know thrown out per se. And then the cold is, hey, we're up by 10 runs. Like we're going to play station station baseball. So those are up there right above our bat rack. And the reason I like that is I don't have to worry about if Johnny heard me talking about it in between innings. It's right there for him. It's as simple as simple can be. Um, and I think just as a head coach in general, uh, I have become a lot more simplistic as the years have gone on, um, which I think has helped us because, you know, you're asking high school kids to go to school all day. You're asking high school deal kids to deal with relationships, you know, with their with their significant other, you're asking high school kids to deal with relationships at the house or whatever. They, and on top of that, you're doing all that other stuff. So, um, you know, we, I, I have everything on huddle. Huddle is something we use for baseball all the time. So like I have folders for here's our signs. You know, you go in and look at the signs. Here's, here's our base running circuit. Here's our philosophy PowerPoint. So all that's in there for them to get and we cover it, but I try not to over uh, put too much on them at once. And I just think the more I have freed kids up, to do their own thing on the bases, the more I freed them up to have their own approach, the more I freed them up in terms of not having a ton of first and third and bunts, I think we've become better ball players. I think the kids think for themselves. I think they enjoy playing the game more. Um, and then this year I did, I did steal, I'm going to steal this from uh, Coach Andover. He had a dugout participation chart, mm-hmm. um, which I straight up stole. I told him I'm going to use it uh, this year to make sure the kids keep engaged and you give them points for what they talk about. I'm really looking forward to kind of adding that to my repertoire this year. Um, you know, the hardest thing for me sometimes is again, when you're not in the dugout with the kids to make sure they stay engaged. So it's going to be a chart that one of my managers keeps and they just tick market. And if they don't get above a certain point value, then the next day we're all going to do a little bit of extra conditioning, which I hate doing, by the way, I think it's, I don't ever line up and run nineties or sixties for punishment. We just don't do that. I tell the kids all the time, base running circuit, as long as we're sprinting, that, that's our conditioning. I don't want to – and I think that's also allowed them to buy in a little bit more to sure. uh, to do it to do it at full speed. Um, but that's just kind of – you know, I think those are the two things that I, I, we kind of do that's maybe a little different, but it's allowed me to not have to worry about kids knowing what they're doing, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I was thinking dugout chart, man, just an extra – another manager. Bring them on. It's true, I, and, and, I, and I try, you know, we've had that conversation, hey, are we charting too much? And I, I'm i sure we are. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. I, probably, I probably do too much, but at the same time, um, like all the things that we chart, I take home, I put on a spreadsheet, and I post it in the, in, the, in the locker room. And what's the first thing they go to every day when they come in, Coach Cobb? They go right to the board and check to see where they finished the day before. You know, we have daily stats, weekly stats, and season stats. They're all together. 
And then we, at the end of the week, we have a, I have a sheet that's an award sheet that we go out and there's a gold medalist, a silver medalist and a bronze medalist. And all that information's there. So obviously gold medal guys are the ones that win those shirts that we were talking about earlier. Um, so, you know, I, again, I've been blessed because I have girls in there that, that really know what they're doing and helping me out. Um, but I think it's just going to help us out. I, the dugout, being locked in the dugout for me, some years has been a challenge. And I know that comes with, we were very young last year with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that had never played varsity. Um, but it's something simple as like a kid busted down the line and, and uh, if they – if they come out and shake their hand, that's a point. Like it's just small stuff like that. Yep. Uh, really good stuff. I like stuff like, um, you know, close plays. Everybody's yelling, you know, right. foul balls. Everybody's getting up when they yell foul ball, you know, they're yelling fence, you know, they're yelling all kinds of different things, you know, like yep. those are definitely, definitely things that you can teach. And it's honestly even just teaching the game within the game too, you know, and sure. it, it's our job also too to help them understand the game. And, and when you're teaching those little things in the dugout, you know, that's all part of it. Even the dugout is like going to coach coach the plate, you know, just play the plate. That's part of really the dugout participation. Sure. A lot of stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean. And if I uh, ever get to the point where I have three coaches with me in a varsity game, I think I'll be – I think I'd stay in the dugout. I really do because you get a feel of the game in there. Um, I, I don't know if I'll ever get there, but if I ever do, that's what I think I'll, I'll probably end up doing is, is stay in the dugout. So I get a feel of the game, you know, because when you're on defense, you're in there and you, you get a better feel of what's going on. Um, but yeah, and it's, it's like you said, if they're doing all those things, they stay engaged in the game and then they're not cold or they're not mentally, you know, they're mentally locked in. So they're going to perform better when you put them in there in a clutch situation, in my opinion. Sure. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. Coach, uh, you, you mentioned too about like stuff you're putting on social media and things like that. What's the, um, what is your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at Coach Canan. So my last name is K I N N A N. And then our Davenport page is at B S B L Davenport. B S B L Davenport. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Uh, what's the best way to contact you? Maybe wants to learn more about maybe your reward shirts, your, you know, the, you know, maybe touching base about the, the fire stop and the icicle. I think, man, you just scratching the surface of that. You might get some. So what's sure. up? What's your best way to contact you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Twitter is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. But um, you know, I, my email is ryan.canan at comalisd.org. Um, you know, and shoot me a message, and I'll shoot it back, and then we get our phone numbers. We can call back and forth, or whatever we want to do. You know, I, I love talking baseball, just like you. Coach Kimmon delivering some great information. To us, really appreciate the conversation. Loved all his information from how he is getting his team all together outside of the game. His dad night outs, mom night outs, his reward shirts, tip of the iceberg with the, like I mentioned, is a with the on fire stop and the icicle being cold. These are different parts of the game. My buddy Wes Brooks, I heard from Wes. Wes has a basically like a yellow, like a traffic light symbol, same thing. Green, you're on fire. Green, you're good to go. No rules apply. It's basically based on the game. It's all based on the scoreboard, based on the outs, based on where we're at, depending on what we're at. Um, and uh, so that was really cool. 
trying to simplify things. His green, his flashlight, traffic light symbol with the base running, trying to give guys freedom within the bases, you know, being making it a part of his his uh, practice every day with other different base running series. Very detailed in his practice plans and loving the game, loving his game, loving loving the kids, loving the relationships that he's building with kids. And it was a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Coach Kidman really great stuff. Make sure you follow him at BSBL Davenport. Coach Kidman, Kinan, sorry. Um, he's a great follow. Puts out a lot of stuff. Good content. Um, needing some extra stuff. High chat guy. Crypto space in a lot of chats. And um, well willing to share. So uh, let's continue to grow the game. Let's continue to be about the game be about the kids and like Sheet says, win the people battle. Just like Coach Kenan Kenan is doing. Again, follow him on Twitter. Big time follow. And reach out to him through email. If you have any questions about his content that he put out here today. So appreciate you sticking with us. Until next week, keep getting better.